States are racing to ease pandemic restrictions as COVID-19 infections continue to drop across the country. Connecticut is no exception. Governor Ned Lamont has dramatically reduced restrictions but won't drop the mask mandate. This is not Texas. This is not Mississippi. This is Connecticut. Uh, We are maintaining the masks. The latest CDC guidance says fully vaccinated people can gather without wearing masks. But federal health officials caution about states lifting restrictions too quickly. I'm Ebon Udama, WSHU senior political reporter. I try to make sense of local and national policy by talking to the people who are directly involved. This is not the first time Lamont has not stuck to CDC guidelines. Last month, he decided to go out on his own and distribute the COVID-19 vaccine mainly by age. Get as many people vaccinated as quickly as we can, especially those um, age-related who are much more likely to suffer complications and fatalities. Get the shots in the arm as fast as you can. At the same time, Lamont will now allow restaurants to open at full capacity beginning March 19th, and large entertainment venues would be allowed to open their doors in April. We are going to maintain the mask and the spacing requirements. What that means in terms of restaurants, non-theater, we're keeping that in place, eight people to a table so it doesn't become a big party, and and we're going to maintain the 11 p.m. curfew. Coming up on Capitol Avenue, how Connecticut is handling the crucial vaccine rollout needed to fully reopen. But first, this podcast is made possible by you. Contribute today online at WSHU.org and tell them you heard this message on Capitol Avenue. And thank you. A crucial part of Lamont's rollout plan has been trying to reach out to underserved Black and Latinx communities in Connecticut's larger cities. To do that, Lamont has solicited the aid of Black and Latino clergy, The Reverend Carl McCluster is the senior pastor of the Shiloh Baptist Church in Bridgeport. He says there's vaccine skepticism in the community that has to be countered. Not getting the vaccine is putting yourself at mortal danger right now. Taking the vaccine is protecting yourself and your family. McCluster spoke at a vaccine clinic at St. Vincent's Medical Center in Bridgeport, where he and eight fellow black and Latino clergy in the city had come to get their shots. It is time for us to fight the fear of taking this vaccine, to fight the fear of COVID, and emerge boldly as a community and as a people to rise up and take back our lives and to take back our lifestyle. And for us, it begins right here with these COVID shots today. Lamont says the state has set up mobile clinics to get the vaccine into their communities. We're going to bring them right to your churches, make it easy for people. If they can't get to St. Vincent's, we'll come to you and do everything we can to make a difference. Lamont's plan could be slowed down by either not having enough doses or failure to overcome the reluctance of some communities to get vaccinated. State figures showed this month that only 6.9% of Connecticut's Black and Latinx residents had taken their first shots of the vaccine. That's compared to 16% of white residents. 78-year-old Bridgeport resident Christy White and her two sisters, who are in their 80s, were among the first in line to get their shots. Too many of our people are passing away because they 
not listen to the scientists and doing what they say. So that's why we came to take the shot, and we are very pleased. Hartford Healthcare CEO Jeffrey Flax says they have the capacity to do 80,000 vaccinations a week, but at the beginning of March, the hospital system was only doing about 12,000 from the federal government's supply. So we have significant capacity beyond what we're presently doing. Our only rate-limiting factor is the amount of vaccine we get in many ways. The Johnson & Johnson one-dose vaccine coming on stream this month means the vaccinations have been stepped up. Our ambition is to make it as easy as possible to ensure that no community is left behind. Connecticut expects to cover most residents 55 and up, as well as teachers and childcare providers by the end of the month. Eligibility will expand to residents 45 and older by March 22nd, then those 35 and over next month, and people 16 and up in May. Next, we talk with a Connecticut official in charge of the state's COVID-19 response about the state's slightly different rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine. So throughout this vaccine uh, rollout, we've really had two primary goals. The first is speed, getting shots into arms as quickly as we can, reducing severe illness and death as quickly as we can. And the second is equity. My name is Charles Lane. I'm a reporter here at WSHU. Last summer, I started looking into the closing of a rundown motel in the Hamptons on Long Island. And the deeper I dug, the more disturbing it became. What I found was a secret campaign to rid the Hamptons of the places where Latino immigrants lived. This campaign stretched from a small civic group through Southampton town government and all the way to the White House. The story is called Every Town, and you can listen by searching your podcast app for Every Town, or you can click the link in the show notes to this podcast. Joining me now is Josh Jabal, Connecticut's chief operating officer. He's been in charge of the state's vaccine rollout. We have had a lot of calls from our listeners who are concerned about the rollout, how it might affect them. Could you just explain why it is that the governor decided to base it on age going forward? Absolutely. So throughout this vaccine uh, rollout, we've really had two primary goals. The first is speed, getting shots into arms as quickly as we can, reducing severe illness and death as quickly as we can. And the second is equity, making sure that everybody in this state, regardless of where they live, the color of their skin, how much money they make, what kind of access they have to the healthcare system, has an equal shot to get a vaccine when they, when they want one. And as we led up to the implementation of the prior phase and we're doing the analysis around how the rollout would actually work, it became increasingly clear that it was, if we went down that path, it was going to both slow us down in terms of getting shots out to people. And it was also gonna make it harder for us to achieve our equity goals. Looked at a bunch of different options and decided to move forward with the age-based approach, which has been working really well for the state of Connecticut so far. And of course, age most closely correlates with uh, the risk of uh, death from COVID uh, for all races and ethnicities. So we figured continuing to work backwards that way was gonna make the most sense. We had one particular listener who's concerned that they have a 21-year-old daughter who has had bone marrow transplant. Uh, and while healthy right now, she feels the rug has been pulled out from under her. And now that she'll have to wait until 
the spring or early summer before she gets uh, vaccinated. Yes. You know, listen, I, I really do understand and, and appreciate the concerns of people who, you know, has, whose position in, in the priority name may, now may have changed and gotten pushed back. Um, you know, throughout this pandemic, you know, the governor almost every day has been faced with, uh, you know, trade-offs that he has to make. Um, we're recognizing that, you know, certain decisions, um, you know, some people are going to be disadvantaged by, and, and, and we do appreciate and understand that. Um, a couple of things I will say, though, is that by ensuring that this process is now very streamlined and we're able to move quickly, it will help the most people, including the most people who are at severe risk of illness and death, get vaccinated quickly and help us get to general availability for everybody, including your your listeners, a child. Uh, we, we expect right now to be able to get to general availability for anyone who wants a vaccine of any age by early May. And, you know, depending on how the federal supply uh, goes in the coming weeks, um, you know, we're hopeful maybe there's even a chance to pull that in. So we're not far away from the point at which everybody will have access. Now that the, the criteria is age um, and people know when their their turn will come, uh, can, can they schedule an appointment now for the future? Uh, how does that work? Great question. Uh, the answer is no. Um, you cannot schedule an appointment until the day that your phase begins. Um, we need to make sure that all the appointments uh, are available for people from prior phases until we uh, move into the next one. What about people who were already uh, in line to schedule an appointment? Uh, will they now lose their elig- eligibility and, and have to wait until their age, you know, their age group? Uh, for people who had, were anticipating that they would be next in line? No, it's a great question. And uh, the, an- the answer is no. If you were eligible in a prior phase for any reason, you'll be eligible for the rest of the way in. So the additional phases only add to each other. They don't close any of the prior phases. All people with underlying conditions and all essential workers now no longer have priority. Is, is that the situation? No, you, you are correct. We are going forward strictly by age. Um, and again, if we had gone the other route, we would have had somewhere between 1.1 and 1.5 million adults eligible all at the same time. People may have thought that they were going to be prioritized, but you know, under that approach, there would have been enormous contention for appointments, and they may have had to wait as long, if not longer, depending on what their age was to get an appointment. Um, so uh, one, one important uh, caveat to that, though, is that as the governor announced, um, we are doing a focus campaign to vaccinate um, everyone involved with uh, opening and, and running our, our educational system in the state for both uh, children in daycare as well as pre-K through 12. Um, and so that's teachers uh, and everyone else in the school building, the uh, custodial staff, um, food service, cafeteria workers, um, but also bus drivers. Um, and, and the logic there is, is we have to remember the vaccinations are not just about the people getting vaccinated. But in that area, it's also about the children, right? Our children who have had such a brutal year, uh, missing out on uh, progressing their education, the social emotional impacts that they've had to endure from the disruptions to their school day. Again, disruptions that disproportionately impact uh, uh, some of our cities and and communities of color. Um, And so we really have a strong focus on making sure we can get those schools reopened five days a week as quickly as we can. Um, so those uh, those uh, workers are, are still going to get vaccinated in the month of March. 
And they're going to have to go through the school systems. Uh, that's the way. It's not like uh, you just go and book at any clinic. It has to be through the school system. Yeah, every everyone who uh, isn't who could be in scope for that should wait to get guidance from from their employer. So from their school district or whoever their employer is. Um, each town is going to handle it a little bit differently. Some towns um, will probably have dedicated clinics at the school that people can go to. Um, others may. Um, pull together with other towns in the neighbor in the, the, that are neighboring um, and some may send people out to the mass vaccination sites so just I'd encourage anyone who's uh, in that group to wait for guidance from your employer you did mention the fact that uh, underserved communities especially people of color in the cities uh, there's a special emphasis uh, how is that going to work with this new criteria that you have right now so there's two pieces to this there's the the policy piece of it which we've been talking about around eligibility and then there's the operational piece of it so on the policy side we believe that this approach is going to help us achieve our equity goals better because the the other alternative the, the path we had been headed down was going to be incredibly complex in terms of how you determine eligibility how you document proof that you are in fact eligible um, you know we were going to send people rushing off to try to get doctor's notes um, and and i think we we know from experience that when you have processes that are extremely complex that favors people who have extra time and, and connections and resources and technology who speak English, who have cars. And so, uh, you know, if we'd gone down that path, the people who have all those things undoubtedly would have found their way closer to the front of the line. And the people who don't have those things would have been, um, you know, left behind. And so we think this policy, just keeping it really simple, everybody knows how old they are. There's no questions there, easy to document, will keep us enabling to focus on the second piece, which is where the real hard work is around operationalizing this. And so we're working with our uh, partners in all of our uh, communities to make sure that we have access for everyone who needs it. Um, and this can take the form of mobile clinics uh, that are uh, deploying to senior housing facilities, churches, other community gathering spots to help vaccinate eligible people. Many of our cities are now doing reverse 911 calls into underserved communities and making it very easy for them to directly be enrolled into clinics uh, near where they live. We're providing transportation. We're doing outreach and education. So we're, we're making progress there, but we still have so much more work to do. And it's one of the reasons having this, uh, you know, the eligibility as simple as possible so we can make sure no one's confused about when they're eligible. It's going to be really helpful there. Connecticut residents 55 and over, teachers and other school employees and child care providers are eligible for the vaccine. Schedule an appointment online at ct.gov slash COVID vaccine or by phone at 877-918-2224. If you ask the governor, the simpler the criteria for the rollout, the better. I'm going to focus on the old um, you know, business motto, KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. If you ask the state's point man on vaccines, there's no need for a doctor's note. Everybody knows how old they are. There's no questions there. Easy to document. If you ask 78-year-old Bridgeport resident Christy White, she just wants her life back. We want to live. And if we took the shot, we thought maybe it'll give other people the wisdom and the understanding to come to take the shot so that they can live. 
This is Capitol Avenue from WSHU Public Radio, making sense of local and national policy by talking to the people who are directly involved. Spread the word by rating Capitol Avenue on your podcasting app. The more informed listeners in our community, the better. This episode was produced by J.D. Allen. WSHU's web editor is Dave Eisenstatter. Terry Sheridan is WSHU's news director. And Tom Kuzer is WSHU's program director. I'm Ebon Udama. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Mm-hmm.